Today we are in week three of our Christmas series called Child of Promise. If you have your Bible with you, I, I encourage you to turn to Luke 1. We're going to start at verse 26 in just a bit. Uh, the first two weeks we've looked at some prophecies about Jesus, prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament, and then uh, what their New Testament fulfillment was. Week one, remember, we talked about how the Messiah would be a descendant of King David. And week two, that um, Jesus, the Messiah, would be preceded by a prophet. And today, the prophecy that we're looking at is that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. About 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, Isaiah prophesied, the Lord gave him this, and Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Now this would have been part of the scripture that the people of Israel would have known. When they're growing up, they're learning scripture, and that's part of their training, part of their faith. And the significance of this scripture would become apparent as Jesus came to be born. But like I said, let's start with Luke 1 in verse 26, reading through verse 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So like I said, we talked about uh, John the Baptist a couple weeks ago, and he was conceived by Zechariah and Elizabeth in their old age, as this passage says. And this couple of Zechariah and Elizabeth were related to this young woman named Mary. Elizabeth was uh, a distant cousin, and this passage begins by telling us that Elizabeth is in her sixth month of pregnancy and that a major event is about to take place in Nazareth. So God sends this angel Gabriel. He sends uh, him to Mary, who's pledged to be married to Joseph. And it says that he is a descendant of David. And Gabriel comes and makes a big announcement. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, Mary, as a young Jewish girl, would have probably been engaged somewhere between 12 and 14 years old. Uh, let's, let's just say that she was the older end of that, 14. 
I mean, can you imagine what that would have been like? I mean, think about how you were when you were 14, okay? Um, and an angel shows up and says, you are highly favored and the Lord is with you. Well, highly favored, you know, favored with grace. The Greek here can also mean bestowed with a special honor. And the Lord is with you. You're blessed among women. That, that's a lot to get when you're 14 years old. That's a pretty heavy-duty deal. <laughs> so just think of this. She, he's telling her, you're bestowed with a special honor from the Lord. And he's with you. You are living your life in a way that the presence of God is on you. And he's chosen you to be part of his plan for the nation of Israel for salvation. Okay, so even at the age you are now, what would that be like if an angel came to you and told you you had special honor and that the Lord was with you? What, what would that be like? Awesome. Unbelievable. Like maybe you would have trouble believing it and you'd say, well, let's see. Yeah. So, scared to death. Yeah, I think so too. And then that the angel's giving you all these really nice compliments, basically, you'd be like, whoa. So it does tell us Mary was greatly troubled. And that, if you look at that, it also means agitated. And she's wondering what kind of greeting. So in other words, she was frightened and scared. She didn't know what was going on. She, it says she just really wondered about this. And the angel then says, well, don't fear, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. <laughs> and the Greek, the Greek concept here about this that he's telling her is it's in the Hebrew, it means that the God is freely giving of himself and that he's reaching out to people because he wants to bless them. And that's the concept that this angel is trying to relate to her, that God is reaching to her and is trying to bless her by what the message is. So when this angel tells her, you're going to have a son, this must have sounded unbelievable to her. Um, his name will be Jesus, Yeshua, and that means salvation or savior. He'll be great and called the Son of the Most High. And what that is, is a Greek translation of the Old Testament name of God, of El Elyon, or Yahweh Elohim. It means God Most High. This is the big title name of God. And so he's telling Mary, the angel is telling Mary, you're going to have the Son of the Most High God. This is something, don't take this lightly, this is a big thing that God wants to do through you. And then he tells her uh, he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, which is that prophetic statement about Jesus and his eternal kingdom that was prophesied to David in 2 Samuel 7, 16. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And so part of this being established, the, the throne of David being established forever, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So at this point, Mary's kind of confused. She's like, okay, great, <laughs> great, but how can this be? I'm a virgin, she says. So to understand that, uh, a little bit about this, um, the engagement between a couple pledged to be married was more formal back then than it is today. In fact, a legal contract was actually drawn up for this engagement, which could only be broken by divorce. So this pre-ceremony um, part, they're still considered like they're married. Uh, 
the girl would be called her fiance's wife. I mean, it was, it was a pretty heavy duty deal. And any infidelity in this time, just like in marriage, would be treated as adultery. And she continued, would continue to live with her parents until the ceremony, which was usually about a year or so later. So that's the time of the process that Mary and Joseph are in. They're in this pre-ceremony part. But it's like, it's almost like they're married, except they, you know, they're living apart still. So Mary is faithful to God. She's not committing adultery. She's not having relationships with Joseph prior to this wedding day. So when the angel says, yeah, you're going to have a son, she's a little confused because she's thinking, wait a minute. Uh, that's impossible. Uh, I'm a virgin, and I'm not doing anything to get pregnant. So how can this be? So Gabriel then tells Mary that it's God who's going to do a miracle. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And that verb that's used there about the Holy Spirit coming upon is the same word used similarly in Isaiah 32:15, Till the Spirit is poured out on us from on high, and the desert becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field seems like a forest. So it's talking about how the Spirit's going to come on Mary and cause her to bear fruit to have this baby. It's the same verb that's used to describe the Holy Spirit coming on believers at Pentecost. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So it's a thing of the Holy Spirit's power coming on Mary. And the form of the verb here used in this passage in Luke that we said that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll conceive. This actually, the form of this verb, stresses the results of coming even more than the initial impact of the coming itself. So what that means is the Holy Spirit coming on Mary and God's power overshadowing her isn't the sum of everything happening. It's the result, the completion of that, meaning a child would be conceived the Son of God, and that's the focus of what he's telling her. So he says, you will be overshadowed by the power of God, and it's a reference to God's presence, and it's talking about this Shekinah glory of God. I mean, what he's describing to her is amazing. The power of the Holy Spirit and the glory of God coming on her to conceive this child. Mary's told that this child is the Holy One. He's going to be called the Son of God. And when we read this today, you know, we've read it enough times probably and heard about it enough times growing up if we grew up going to church that it just sounds like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But imagine being there. Imagine being Mary. And first, it's an angel that shows up. I mean, that part alone is amazing. And then tells you you're favored that God wants to do something through you and you're going to conceive by the power of God and bear the Savior, the Son of God. That was an amazing, incredible word to her. And it would seem a little bit unreal. And part of it would seem like, yeah, I wonder what the next part of my life's going to look like. How could it be possible? Because things like that, they just don't happen. Up to this point, there'd been no virgin birth. It sounded amazing, but how in the world? There are times in our life 
when that can happen with us too. You know, even if you're faithful and obedient to God, that maybe some things are hard to comprehend. They can't be explained. That we feel like God is leading us and showing us something, and we're like, wow, this is amazing. This is marvelous. I mean, this would take a miracle from God. And it's not because of who we are, is it? It's not because of who we are, but because of who God is. While we don't do anything to, to cause it to be, or we don't do anything to earn that miracle, because we're in a right relationship with God, he can use us to accomplish his will through us. And that's where Mary was. Uh, so the angel explained to her that her cousin Elizabeth was pregnant. Why do you think he did that? Reassurance. That was another miracle. So she wouldn't be alone. Yeah, all of those things. What this did. Yeah, both of them had a crazy story and they could encourage each other, they could believe each other. Yeah, definitely. And it also encouraged her faith, I believe, because here it is, this amazing thing, and yet if I hear God did something with someone else, that gives me more faith to believe he can do what he's saying through me. And then, depending on your translation, the angel says to her, for no word of God will ever fail, or some translations say nothing is impossible with God. So you can claim that for you too. You know, this is from the lips of the angel that brought it to Mary. Nothing's impossible with God. Uh, no word of God will ever fail. So whatever God's word is to you, whatever God is showing you and, t and telling you through his word, through times in prayer, you can claim that over yourself, that no word from God will ever fail. Nothing's impossible with God. And then Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. This woman, 14-year-old woman, in our, in our culture, she's still considered a child. She's a teenager. <laughs> she received what God had for her, and she believed that that miracle would come to pass. So as we've looked at that, we, we can think, okay, yep, there's miracles that are in the Bible, but God is still doing miracles today. So what miracles do people here need to have in their life? What, are you looking for a miracle? Are th what kind of miracles do people look for? today? Reconciliation. Reconciliation. Healing. Healing. Salvation. Salvation. Restoration. Yeah, whatever the need is, and it looks impossible, but if God is going to get involved and do it, you know that miracle can come to be. So what about us today? How can we be like Mary and what does her young life show us about the miracles that we might need in our lives? Well, the first thing is to see God's miracles. One, we need to be in a place where we can receive God's word to us. Mary lived the kind of life that God said was favored. She was highly favored. Uh, God was with her. But Mary didn't earn the right to have the Son of God by how she lived. 
However, God knew that the mother of Jesus needed to have the faith and the kind of life that would prepare her to receive that miracle, to receive that promise. Just to know the promise wasn't enough. And if that angel had come and told Mary all that, and she said, oh, cool. She's not received it. She had to say, yes, Lord, be it to me as you have said. I receive that. And so why she had to receive it by faith? Why do you think? Why did she need to receive it by faith? Why was that important? Trust in God. God. Yeah. It was a miracle. It had never happened before, and it would require a strength of faith and trust in God to receive it and to say yes to God. And for us, too, if we want to receive the promises that God has for us in our life, we need to receive them by faith. You can't just say, cool. You've got to receive it by faith. You have to believe that what God has said will come to pass. And you need to uh, live the kind of life that prepares you to be able to receive that. In Hebrews 11:6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. If we don't have faith to believe, how can we receive what God has for us? In verse of uh, that same chapter, Hebrews 11, in verse 11 and 12, it says, By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him, God, faithful, who had made the promise. See, Sarah received that by faith. God wanted to give a child to Abraham and Sarah in, this old, in the Old Testament, and it's referring to that in Hebrews 11 here. But it's saying to us that Sarah had to receive it by seeing that God was faithful and believing it and receiving that promise herself. And that's God's word to us, that we need to receive the things that are promised to us, uh, to trust God no matter what the natural part might look like. You might look and say, this situation, it's never going to be made right. But to receive the miracle that God has for healing, for restoration, for renewal, for whatever it is that you're trusting God for, you need to be in that place where you can receive it by faith. And how is that going to happen? First of all, you need to read God's word. How can you know and believe God if you don't read his word? I'm talking about every day. Not to put you under a pile, but, but you should want to. You should want to read this every day. How are you going to know God? Otherwise, you know about him, but you don't know him. Second, we need to pray daily. We need to have conversation with God, and that's just not us coming with a shopping list or a checklist for God and saying, I need help in all these areas. Some of that time is just being quiet, be still before God, and listen to what he's saying to you. To pray, say, God, I want to hear from you today. I want you to speak to me as I read your word. And then just be quiet before God and allow him to speak to you. And it says in Ephesians to pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean I'm praying every single second. But that means that regularly, all through the day, I'm praying. I'm saying, God, I got a problem here right now and I need your wisdom. Or God, please fill me with your Holy Spirit so I have the strength to get through this day. Follow the commands of God. Ask God to give you a heart that desires to serve him above all. If you do these things, then you will be in a place that you need to be spiritually, emotionally, mentally, 
and even physically probably, <laughs> to receive what God has for you. Because then when God has something for you, you'll see it. You'll hear it. You'll recognize it. You need to be in the place where you can receive God's word for you. And secondly, be open to God's leading to receive your miracle. Mary said yes to God's plan, but if we really think about it, there are some risks, right? There are some risks she could have thought about like, ooh, hmm, maybe I don't want to do this. She could have said no. And that no would have been no to the single greatest thing of her life. People might not understand. I mean, Joseph, her fiance, didn't at first. He, he thought she'd been unfaithful. He thought, yeah, that's a good story, Mary, but hmm, never heard of that before. So let's read in Matthew 1, starting at verse 18, Matthew 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, he loved her. He didn't, he didn't want her to come under any more shame, but he's like, I know that baby's not mine. So uh, he thought he'd divorce her quietly. Then verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So see, Mary could have lost her relationship with Joseph. Joseph was going to divorce her quietly because he knew the baby wasn't his, and the story that Mary was telling him just didn't sound like it made sense to him. He didn't think it was possible. And also, there was probably an element of fear there, too. Like, oh my goodness, you know? He's fearful because the angel, when the angel comes to him, says, don't fear. Well, I know part of it's that an angel is speaking to him, but the angel's saying, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. So sometimes the things that God has for us, we think about it, and we don't understand what God's trying to tell us. If there's an element and a fear there about the risk, we can miss out on what God has for us. There's going to be risks sometimes when you follow God's will, but the risk of not following his will is far greater. You can miss the opportunity to do the greatest thing you could ever do. You could miss out on seeing the power of God in your life. You could miss out on the presence of God coming on you and accomplishing his will in your heart and in your life. If you're trying to play it safe, and you can. You can do that. You can try and play it safe. But listen, to sit on the bench is not meant for you. Uh, you're supposed to be in the game. You're chosen to run the race. In Ephesians 6, when it talks about the spiritual armor, it's not talking about something we put on and sit back. 
In fact, I don't think you can sit down wearing some of those pieces of armor. It's not for the defense, it's for the offense. And if you're playing it safe and never listening to God, never listening to God's promises, if you don't read his word and prepare for all he has for you, yes, you can live a safe life, but it'll be subpar. You'll miss out on the joy. You'll miss out on the fulfillment of doing what God's called you to. When you are open to God's leading, you're going to find that your life is like what Isaiah wrote about in Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. See, God promises us in that verse that he's going to give us the strength that we need to accomplish what he's asked us to do. And that we'll soar. Have you ever seen eagles on the, the winds soaring around in here when you're driving down the freeway sometimes you see it? Don't they look like they're just really enjoying that? And that's what he's talking about as we follow his will, as we're lifted up by the power of God, the, the Holy Spirit's power in us. We soar on wings like eagles. And it says walk and not grow faint. So you can know that while you are serving God that he's going to strengthen you. He's going to help you get the rest you need when you're following him and doing his commands. Uh, have you ever noticed that when you're operating in the ministry that God's called you to, in the gifting that God's called you to, that you actually kind of feel energized? That's the power of the Holy Spirit in you, giving you what you need to do that that God calls you to. The power of the Holy Spirit flowing through us gives us that sense of fulfillment, that sense of joy and peace as we follow God. So we need to be open to God's leading, be willing to do what he shows us to do, and say no to fear. Don't let fear stop you from following what God's called you to. And if you need help dealing with fear, please call us. Because we have seen people be set free of fear by praying through th some things. And in January, there's a Elijah House School of Ministry coming up. And even if you were thinking, I'm not sure if I want to have that for my ministry, please sign up for it and be part of that time because you will get so much for you out of it, of being set free of stuff that uh, the enemy has tried to hold you back. So please uh, be watching that. It's in the bulletin for January 25th, that Saturday. You want to sign up. Okay, so be open to God's leading. We need to put ourselves in a place, be in a place where we can receive what God has. And then third, trust God to work out the details. Mary didn't have to worry about Joseph and how to work that out. God spoke to him too. God confirmed to Joseph what he was doing in Mary's life. And there can be times in our lives when we really don't see how God's going to work that miracle out. And uh, there are too many little things we wish we could work out first. You know, we think, well, maybe I should do this to help God a little here. Well, God doesn't need you to do a little thing to help him. If God calls you to do something, that's a different thing. But we don't need to try and figure out how God's going to do it. We just trust him and follow him and trust him to work out the details. Trusting and doing the thing that you can do and allowing God to do what uh, he can do. Follow what God shows you a day at a time, a step at a time, and leave the rest up to him. You know, sometimes when we look around us, the world's full of such chaos. You know, things are such a mess maybe in our finances 
or in our families or in our jobs. And we don't see how is that ever going to change. But when we follow God's instructions, when we receive his word, when we say, yes, Lord, I am your servant. Do to me as you have said. Use me to do your will. When we receive his word and take our hands off the things that God wants to do and leave it with him, then we can see him work it all out. Had Mary fretted about this, she probably couldn't have totally received what God had for her. If she was all worried about all this stuff and all these details, she couldn't have really received it because there would have been part of her that wasn't really all on board. Um, she wouldn't have totally self given herself to God's will. But because she did and just opened up her heart to God, it came to pass. In Matthew 1.25, remember we read this just a little bit ago, it says that she gave birth to a son. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and they named him Jesus. So today, we all have a choice to make. Do we want to go forward in what God has for us? Do we want to see miracles of healing, of restoration, of freedom and deliverance? Then we have to choose, like Mary, to be in a place where we can receive what God has for us. We need to be open to God's leading. And then we need to trust God to work out the details. Would you stand as we close? As we've looked at the count of Mary today, uh, the mother of Jesus, the miracle that she received, the miracle of that virgin birth, God has maybe put something on your heart today to change. So I just encourage you, just bow your heads as we close here. Do you need to be prepared to receive what God's word is to you? Do you today need to make that next commitment to God to have the faith in him and trust in him so that when that time of healing comes, when that time of restoration comes, you can receive it and believe it by faith. If you need to make that commitment today, just raise your hand. Thank you. Maybe you need to allow God to work out the details of what miracle you're trusting him for and not sweat it yourself. If you want to be able to trust God more and to release to him all the things that look impossible to you that you've been trying to figure out how you can get him to come to pass. But just to give it to him today and ask him to do the impossible in your life. If you need to make that commitment today, just raise your hand. Thank you, God. Lord God, we thank you for this example of Mary, this young woman who was in the place she needed to be, of following you, of trusting you, of living a life that enabled her to be in a spot to receive what you gave her. Lord, I thank you that she didn't say, no, that sounds too risky, no, I can't do that. That she said, yes, Lord, I receive it. Father, I pray today that we would be in that place too, that we would want what you have for us, that we would want the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives.
Lord, that you would use us to accomplish your will. Lord, help us not to want to hold back and not take the risk and not do what you've called us to. But help us, Lord, to trust you for miracles. Miracles in our family, miracles in our finances, miracles in our jobs, miracles in whatever area, Lord, we need it. Lord God, we trust you. You are an awesome, powerful God. We know, Lord God, that no word of God ever fails. That to you, nothing is impossible. And we trust you, Father, for whatever area we need help in. And to do the things you've called us to. Lord, we want to step out as you call us to whatever that is. That we receive what you're showing us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.